Welcome. I'm Lauren Ash, and you're listening to the Black Girl in Ohm podcast. Black Girl in Ohm exists to hold and catalyze healing within Black women around the world on their unique journeys towards wholeness. We support the necessary transformation, spiritual awakening, consciousness shifts, and intergenerational healing occurring within the diaspora. This podcast is a warm embrace, soothing realness, and conscious girl talk. Come into conversation with me and our spirit-centered guests. Let the journey begin. All right, y'all. I'm so excited because someone who has been very near and dear to us at Black Girl and Ohm for years now and just so a part of the foundation that we've been building as an organization, as a community, as a brand, if you will. And that is the Tiffany Marie Hardin. <laughs> Full name status. I was waiting for your facial expression in response to using your government name. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I have a, a rap name. <laughs> Lil, Lil Tiff. <laughs> Lil T in the hizzy. Can you imagine? We're already on one and it's just the beginning. <laughs> so right before we started recording, I asked Tiffany where we should start and she said we should start with how we met. So I think we should start there because not a lot of people know the story like outside of our team. And it's one that speaks to divine partnership, which we'll talk about. And it's one that speaks to divine timing, too, you know, of when one person's life circumstances and values and path align with someone else's and something just clicks and you couldn't have planned it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, 100%. So we have a mutual friend in common and his name is Khalid. And sidebar shout out to Khalid because he produced our three-part sleep EP that is out now. <laughs> Cop that. Cop that. Get your rest <laughs> on all streaming platforms and on YouTube. Again, sidebar. But, you know, Khalid was hearing me for about a year. And I think this was like 2015-ish. Time is weird. But somewhere around there, <laughs> he was, you know, hearing me lament about how... I essentially needed support, although I wasn't using those words because ego was real, right? I wasn't like, I need help. It was more just like, I'm so overwhelmed. There's so many things to do. I know the possibilities of what Black Girl Gnome could be, but why are we not there? And he had already connected us, Tiffany, because I remember (laughs) he was like seeing me go out to New York all the time. And he was like, you need to meet up with my girl, Tiffany. And I said, who's Tiffany? And he was the way Lauren says my name. (laughs) It has some stank on it. (laughs) I never heard nobody say my name the way you do. (laughs) I know I'm putting all this like illustrative effect on this story. It's my favorite. And what did Tiffany have to say? say? Well, I mean, honestly, it was sisterhood to start. I would Mm -hmm. come to New York. You were living in Harlem, living your fabulous life. And we would go out to mimosas. We would go out to brunch. I remember you were telling me about your book. You were like, I have a name for it already. I was like, ooh, sis, yes. And you were like, what are you up to? And I was like, I'm doing this. And you were like, ooh, sis, yes. Right? Like, it was just like sisterhood vibes. Yeah, no, 100%. I remember at that time, I had launched something called She Knows Now. Yes. And 
we were doing some programming and content around that. And the reason why I launched it was it was kind of like in response to seeing women in positions of influence and power on like TV shows that weren't necessarily seen in a positive light. And so I was like, you know what? I'm really curious about what these women know for sure. And I'm going to go out and like get stories and, you know, help to tell stories of people who aren't on TV shows that do have influence, that do have power, that are women of true impact across like the entertainment and business industries. And I remember I posted something on Instagram and your boy Khaled, the guy that our, our mutual buddy, he said, you need to meet Lauren. And I was like, I mean, okay, sure. You know, like, well, that is. <laughs> and um, at that time, you know, you were in Chicago, I was in New York. So it really was a matter of like, whenever you come through, like come through and we can, we can kiki and hang. And I remember when we did that, it was always, like you said, super dope sisterhood vibes. Like, oh, I've known you. Like you're somebody that's going to be in my life for a while. But, you know, just trying to let the, the life kind of connect to what we already knew in our spirit, you know? Yes. And I remember, as I was sharing before, I was lamenting about needing help. And it was funny because, like, Tiffany, in all of our key keys in New York, I don't remember a time where we talked about working together. It was all just like, here's what you're doing and how amazing it is. This is what I'm doing. And it was just about our lives. Mm-hmm. And even you mentioning She Knows Now, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like... <laughs> You know, that was like such a beautiful thing that you birthed in the world. And I remember you ended up booking me for one of the talks, too. And it was such a beautiful moment where we ended up meeting people who would then become Black Girl and Ohm team members, too. So, so much magic. But I remember one day Khalid was like, would you consider talking with Tiffany about management? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, well, you need help. And she, he was just singing your praises. And I was like, I don't need a manager. We're good. Like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I got over myself and I reached out to you, and this is probably what you were speaking to earlier, <laughs> I remember we had a whole, like, I reached out to you specifically with the intention of asking you for help, which was very vulnerable for me. And for the first 45 minutes, it was literally like, I think we were catching up about relationship things and people we were dating. And then at the end, I was like, by the way, um, Khalid suggested this. What do you think? And I remember you were like, hmm, you're like, let me think about this. And there was some space that went in between you thinking about it and the decision. But there was also a tweet that you unearthed in that space. Do you remember that tweet? I do remember that tweet. And For some other background, Lauren mentioned management. So in my career, I started in the music business in talent management. And it was something that I was very passionate about. I mean, I even went to college for that. And that's a little bit of the Chicago connection because I went to Columbia College Chicago. But at that time, I had just sort of paused on the management piece because the other side of my life is, you know, marketing. And I really, you know, talent management doesn't give you money, (laughs) you know, like you have to go and eat what you kill. And then also like from a marketing perspective, although I enjoyed marketing talent, like I said, it didn't pay bills, but strategy for agencies and strategy for big brands and doing partnership work for big brands that did. So I was doubling down on my sort of big client work and pausing 
on the talent management side of things. So by the time Lauren kind of came around and asked me if I could help her, I was turned off, um, not by Lauren, but by just talent management at that point. And there were so many elements of talent management that can really burn you and burn you out. And so although I had uh, kind of like a will, it was like I needed to change how I went about working with another person, another creative being. And so when Lauren asked me, I think I, I definitely was hesitant. But prior to that, I remember writing this tweet where I literally was like, mind you, this was years ago. This was like 2015, 16. Like this was a long time ago. And I said, if I'm going to manage again, I'm going to do it with somebody in the wellness industry. And at that time, I was also going through my own work when it came to, at that time, like just being vegan and being closer to spirit, getting in touch with like Akashic records and, you know, having a shamanic astrologer and like all of this inner work I was on the cusp and in the middle of doing. And I knew, and I said to myself, I knew like my skill set and what I'm good at, I have to be able to apply that to something that's going to be good in the world. And that's perpetuating and creating ripple effects in the world where people are really able to benefit from this. Yes. No, that's a beautiful gem of encouragement too for anyone listening right now who perhaps feels like their current career path or their current path of their life's work may feel for whatever reason like it's gotten a bit old or stagnant, right? Because you're basically speaking to the way that you had done something wasn't the way that you wanted to continue with it, right? Mm -hmm. But in your daring to dream up something outside of that, then you were able to magnetize something to you that would be in alignment with that new direction. You know what I mean? A lot of times we don't give ourselves that permission because we haven't seen it done before or we don't think that it's possible. And that tweet that you had sent out was like a week or two prior to when we had that phone conversation. Sometimes your spirit and your energy is sort of cultivating something that you're not consciously like putting energy on. And, you know, I knew that I missed working with talent. Like I knew I missed it. But like you said, I, what I didn't know was how I was going to do it. And I wasn't looking for it. You know, I, I wasn't really like looking actively for people to work with, but I didn't know the people that I did want to work with. I wanted to enter the relationship like new, you know, like being able to have what we like to say, like radical transparency, radical candor, like, and this is what I need for sure, because trust in the relationship is built on a few different foundational building blocks. And if I'm not clear about any of those or what's important to me, what's valuable in the relationship from the onset, just like any other relationship, then somewhere down the path, I'm going to feel resentment. I'm going to feel contempt. I'm going to feel like I'm doing more than I ought to. I'm going to feel like doing emotional labors too much. And that's not a position or a place that I want to be in. Right. I think as managers, we have to do a lot of education when it comes to working with talent, not specifically on how this kind of relationship is supposed to go, but even just industry at large, because a big part of what we do is invisible work around managing people's motivations, external vendors, just other people that are around the creative energy that surrounds the manager and the talent. 
and it's not like a it's supposed to be this sort of aggressive, rude force, but it certainly is something that everybody has to be mindful of because very quickly a manager can get themselves in a position where somebody else's influence is moving the business. Mm-hmm. And if that influence isn't like trusted, known, vetted, et cetera, you could really be in a world of hurt mm-hmm. <laughs> because no matter what happens, what a manager decides and working with someone is I'm going to be responsible for our success alongside you. And not everybody takes that level of gravity seriously, the depth of that responsibility seriously. So entering into a relationship like the one we have, it takes a conscious effort. You know, it is like a marriage. It is a serious thing, (laughs) you know? And I, what I appreciate the most about working with you is that you took it seriously and you weren't like, oh, this is this thing that I do on the side sometimes that I dig, you know, you are someone who's like, I have a vision for black girl and own. I have a vision for my life. I have a calling on my life. And I think there are ways where I can make my interest in my work be profitable Mm -hmm. and expand because as people that have been around you and or around black girl and own know, the intention is to help facilitate intergenerational healing for black women everywhere, Mm -hmm. everywhere. So it's a big deal to take on that kind of mantle and it takes a team to support that. And because you were clear about your vision, I I could be clear about my ability to help you get there. Yes. Clarity and intention. Yeah. That's so key. 100%. So I want to kind of also just give some context because I feel like this is very much I didn't realize it until we were in it. This is also kind of a a glimpse into some of the behind the scenes of BGIO and into uh, another phenomenal woman who has been a part of what everyone listening knows to be Black Girl and Ohm and the things that they have intersected with, whether it's the podcast and the circle or they attend the annual once, you know, in the past or what have you. It's like our community members are so varied in terms of how they intersect with Black Girl and Ohm, but they've all been blessed and impacted Mm -hmm. by it in some way. And you are one of the people that has had a hand in that. You know, a lot of people hear the podcast and they hear me or they've come to an event and they've had space held for them by me or another one of our practitioners. But there are also these dynamic women, including you, who are more so behind the scenes, but doing work that is lending itself so beautifully and carried out with such integrity in order to get to that impact. So for you, what is your intention? So you spoke a moment ago to like this big collective intention that we carry, right? Intergenerational healing for Black women everywhere. What is your big why, your big intention with how you move in the life's work, in the calling that's been placed on your life? It's a really beautiful question. And it's taken some time to figure out And I can talk about that in a minute, but to answer your question, the reason why I'm here on this earth is to continue to facilitate consciously equal partnership and consciously equitable partnerships. And what that means to me, I work with a ton of different entrepreneurs. I am one and I work with creative people, but I think one of the things that I feel very blessed with and why my career has gone the way it has 
is because I've had experiences where I can stand in the gap and intercede because I've been like kind of wired in this way to understand how brands, corporate, and other partners, how they desire to work with our culture and figure out ways to make sure that that is equitable and equal, meaning we are able to engage in a partnership with a brand that sees our impact, sees our value, and sees how much energy it takes to put that value into the world and says, we understand, we see you, we want to walk with you in this. And so it matters a lot to me that creatives have someone who looks like them in seats like this to intercede and have those conversations at that level. I don't believe that success equals proximity to whiteness or patriarchy or anything like that. And I know that we've been conditioned to believe that. I know that we all have been conditioned to believe that. And so when we talk about buying black, that matters, but also having operators in your business that are black, that are talented, that are able to execute at the levels, if not even higher than say someone at the Morgan Stanley's of the world, the CAA's of the world, the WME's of the world, whatever, is important. So my big why is to continue to bring more consciously equal and equitable partnerships together in this world and represent the interest of our culture. I love it. I just imagine we have so many people in our community listening right now, too, who do come from a career background where they're snapping their fingers right now and saying yes. (laughs) (laughs) And what you said about success, not equating the proximity to whiteness or patriarchy. I mean, 2020 has also been a year where uh, things have been exposed even more. And I feel like I've had more conversations with Black friends of mine, Black creatives in particular, who have been feeling more, you know, affirmed in speaking truth to power, so to speak, around what it is that they are deserving of, both in terms of experiences, in terms of like money as well. (laughs) But you hit the nail on the head with that. And you spoke a little bit ago around your journey. And you said like, you haven't always had the clarity of that being your why, and that you've had a journey to kind of get to this why. Could you speak more to that? Sure. When I was a kid, I I didn't want to go to college. I thought I was going to be singing and writing songs and you couldn't tell me nothing. I was babyface and a little bit of Clive Davis mixed in one. I promise you that. My mom, she she cried. She was like, you have to go to college. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so, um, you know, I went to visit the school that I ended up going to and was like, I'm going to be a vocal performance major. I'm going to write these songs. I'm going to like just be emo and put my vulnerability in my music, whatever. And the guidance counselor was like, okay, that sounds great. You know, heads up, you'll probably be broke for more than a few years because this is the life of an artist. And he's like, yeah, you probably won't eat sometime. I was like, earth skirt, wait, not wow. gonna eat, not gonna be me. So, wow. <laughs> but he then he said, you know, you might wanna look into arts, entertainment, media management, it's a music business major. I said, that's interesting. And so I went home 
And at the time Diddy's making the band came on and I was like, I love that show, but there was this guy that walked across the stage, Phil Robinson and Phil Robinson is a, a talent manager. And that, that title talent manager came across the, the screen. And I was like, what's that? You know, like, what does it mean to be a talent manager? And, you know, like the good Virgo that I am, I did all the research (laughs) and I found a lot of Donald Passman books, you know, everything you need to know about the music business. I learned everything. And, you know, I decided my junior year of school to apply to Columbia College, Chicago. In my senior year of high school, I decided to manage a garage band named Scarlet in my neighborhood of Nina, Wisconsin. Kudos to you if you know where Nina, Wisconsin is. I will give you brownie points and a prize if you can tell me appropriately where it is. Um, What was one of the songs that this band sang? Scarlet, um, they sang... I mean, I have the album and it's definitely on God's internet, so, or Al Gore's internet. (laughs) So um, I can find it for you. But I remember asking them in the hallway of school, I was like, hey, um, I'm a talent manager and I want to know if I can manage you guys. And I remember they were, I mean, they were like an emo rock band and they were like, oh, let me talk to the guys and then, you know, I'll let you know. I'm like, was there? No, you're not doing anything. (laughs) But um, they ended up saying yes. And so like literally the summer into senior year and I think after too, but like the summer going into senior year and maybe a little bit after I was managing this band and I got them on the radio. I did their yes. press trip. I like managed their energies. I got them shows. We got to Milwaukee. Like it was a big deal. Yes. And I remember my senior year when I officially had to like apply to school. I remember I used their press kit as like my case study and like my exhibit to show them I was serious about going to college for this. And um, I remember when I was putting that press kit together. I said, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Wow. I thought that to myself. I was like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And I knew it was true. (laughs) And so when I went off to college, I ended up meeting some really big talent managers. And at first it was, at the time, there was this group called Quelo out in Chicago. And Shala and Moby Akintande, they were my guys. um, And they... I was helping manage their group as like an intern. And then I got introduced to this guy named John Monopoly, who at the time was managing Kanye West and Good Music in New York. And I was interning for him, but by being his intern, I was really his assistant in Chicago and running things. (laughs) Um, And then when I was graduating school, I had a conversation with him. And I was like, I really want to have a job when I graduate. And it was really important to me. And he introduced me to Mona Scott Young, who I brought to Chicago for an event. And he told, I think he told her that. And when I went to pick her up from the airport, she asked me, why do you want to move to New York? Why do you want to be in this business? And I, I asked her back, I said, well, how often are you in Chicago? And she's like, oh, I'm not out here often at all. And I said, well, that's the reason why I want to go to New York. I want to know that I can make it there. Wow. And maybe a couple weeks later, I went to go visit her in New York. I had this big, it's called Medem. It's a big uh, international music conference that I went to in January of 2007. While I was out there, she emailed me and told me I got the job to work with her. And that was probably one of the best 
days of my life. I remember I was shopping in Cannes, France. It sounds so bougie when I say it. Wow. Very bougie. <laughs> I was shopping in Cannes, you know, off the Amalfi Coast and whatnot. Um, no, not even close. But I was shopping and I remember I got this email on my, I think I had a trio at the time, like a palm trio. Yes. And I remember her email said, you know, we would like to welcome you to Violator. Violator Management was the company I worked for. And she said, the crowd roars, hooray. She, she wrote that in the email. Yes. That was so funny and so cute. And that was the start of me working my behind off because I ain't never worked for nobody the way I worked for <laughs> Mona. I'm telling you, it was a grind. Yeah. And I did that for about a year and some change before I went to go work for Steve Stout at Translation. Uh, starting as his assistant and then moving into strategy and influencer marketing. And, you know, all of this to say, and then, you know, obviously I started my own company in 2013 and the rest is history, but like Guild Creative Group. Guild Creative Group, holla at me. And, you know, I mentioned these steps because what I definitely knew for sure is that like people, partnership, community, culture, money, all of that was in a pot. You know, but like I didn't quite put it all together because what I had, it was the hustle piece, right? Like I knew how to get a bag. Grind, like, grind, grind, get the money. Com. Make the people happy. Repeat. Right, right. All that. And I knew I knew how to talk to people, but what what I had to put on top of that was the conscious piece. And that's why I always preach about being a conscious hustler because this is something that is inherent to my life today. And if you go on my website, you'll see like conscious marketing for big ideas, you know, as I grew as an individual and as I sort of deprogrammed myself from what success looked like for other people and proximity to whiteness and patriarchy, as I like quote unquote decolonize my mind, I also started to say, okay, well, how do you want to do it? Yes. And how can you be more conscious about how you manage, who you hire, who you work with, how you get the bag, what's important to you? How is this deal going to make impact? How is everything that I do going to serve a higher conscious purpose? Yes. And so once I got that, once I centered myself around that, that's when I really felt like I was in my flow and in my stride. And I feel like you've developed an entire ethos around your work, which is now translated through Conscious Hustler (laughs) 101 (laughs) Masterclass with Tiffany Harden. And a lot of those values have influenced also our team culture at Black Girl and Ohm, you know, Mm -hmm. and... I'm curious, you said you spoke to deprogramming the mind, you spoke to decolonizing from the beliefs that had been put onto, whether it was like how you were taught or work experiences, because also let's be clear, like just because we may find ourselves working with black folk, we still internalize a lot of white supremacy. We still internalize a lot of patriarchy. Oh, I have a great example. If you want to hear, let's go into it. Let's go into it. I was working for translation at the time and our friend Kenji Summers had interviewed for a position. And I remember um, I was working in Steve's office as his assistant. And I think it was maybe like maybe year two. And I wanted to go into the role of strategy. So my friend Kenji, he interviewed for this position 
And I didn't think he would be a good fit, but that wasn't a thought I kept to myself. And when you're in the office of the CEO, you have influence. And I think I abused that influence. Mm. So what happened was I spoke to all of the people that he interviewed with and just asked, like, what did you think? How did you da-da-da? And then they asked me what I thought. And I was like, well, you know, he's great at what he does, but I don't know that he could fit here. That sounds like casual conversation. No, not a big deal. But I knew. I knew that it was because the next thing I know, I remember Steve and I were talking and he he called me into his office and he he said to me, you need to not block other people's blessings. Wow. And I was like, what are you talking about? But I knew exactly what he was talking about. And I had to ask myself, who and or what are you motivated by? Because mm. what, what motivated those actions was fear and jealousy, straight like that. And I did that to a friend. Mm-hmm. Like, this is someone I go to brunch with. This is someone I know. Right. This is someone that I care about. I know where his mama stay. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I had to ask myself, okay, mind you, this is a 22-year-old mistake. But I said, okay. Tiffany, how do you want to be defined? Mm. Are you going to make business moves? Are you going to make moves defined based on your fear of what somebody else is doing, what somebody else is getting? And by the way, you're not quiet about it, Mm. you know? And no one had to say anything to me, but Steve knew. Yes. And he said, you're in a position of power. Act right. (laughs) So the next thing I did, and the reason I'm able to tell this story is because I told Kenji, I had a conversation with Kenji. I said, listen, I did something I'm really not proud of. And he took that really well. And, you know, he didn't want the job anyway, but (laughs) it really was one of those things where I was like, I could not allow myself to look him in the eye, knowing that behind the scenes, I was sabotaging. Yes. And that taught me so much about what I was capable of unconsciously. Yes. And I didn't think of it until Steve brought it to my attention. Right. And he was like, I see you. (laughs) You better act right. And let me tell you, when that happened, I that shook me. That shook me. Not for any other reason, but because I choose to look at myself in the mirror and and be a stand-up person. Yes. And that was how slippery a slope can be. Yes. You are in fear when you are motivated by fear, when you're motivated by jealousy and you're ambitious. Yes. Yes. In an environment that is also competitive, that hustle competitive. Exactly. Exactly. You got to watch yourself. That's not godlike. You got to watch yourself because truth be told, if I truly believe I was going to get what is for me, I wouldn't have been worried about what Kenji was doing or not doing, who he was talking to or not talking to, who liked him, who didn't like him, whatever the case is. He's going to be like, why'd you use me as an example on this doggone podcast? (laughs) But that's my, that's like my, my friend, that's my brother friend. So he going to be fine. But this whole story is to illustrate how even in a black owned company with black people, you can be influenced by patriarchy. You can be influenced by competitiveness. You can be influenced by fear. You can be influenced by the whiteness of what that means, mm-hmm. you know, and 
how dare someone I know mm-hmm. move ahead of me in my process. This is my, this is my environment. Yes. This is my little bubble. You can't come into my bubble and then bump me or and that's my position. Yes. You know, you didn't work for this the way I did. I'm going to get you out of here. Scram. Right. Before you know? he even stepped in. <laughs> Before he, he couldn't even blink twice. And I was, I was in there like swimwear. Mm-hmm. Now, how I learned that skill set, because <laughs> that's a skill set, uh, probably being around these rough and tumble moguls that will eat you for breakfast. Right. Did not even know that I was operating in that way. So it's a choice. It is a choice to be trained up to shoot to kill and still choose not to. Yes. That's a choice. Yes. A conscious one. So, yeah, you move from the unconscious to then the conscious. So what became your new way of being, your new way of, like, as you detox that former, like, what did you put in its place, essentially? Um, communication. Mm-hmm. I think that a big piece of how that happens is understanding your feelings and understanding what you need to communicate. Because I can influence in a few ways, right? Like you can influence by being a jerk and people just responding to you because you're angry and they want to please you in that way. Or you can respond to something. And this is not just for people, but also situations where you can communicate your needs and the impact of those needs and like what happens when you Mm -hmm. are able to get them. So you know, people talk about this a lot, but like conscious communication is real. Like I had to understand that we're all people and we all are motivated in some form or fashion by something. And this is the marketer in me, I guess, but like, even if I have bad news, how am I able to deliver that? Mm. If I have good news, how am I able to deliver that? You know, these are all aspects of what's possible and how I can show up and be a better Tiffany, knowing that everything is able to be articulated. If I'm clear, if I'm a clear channel on what's happening and what people need and what their motivations are. I think slightly that is the marketer in you, (laughs) but it's also to me, you can look at it in a very spiritual sense too. If I'm aware of like what your needs and desires are, and we can find alignment, you know, between the two of us and we can we can come into conscious communication about it. I think that's a beautiful thing. It's huge. This is relationships, right? Yeah. Like I had someone today basically tell me that they were overwhelmed, right? There's all this work to do. They're overwhelmed. They don't know what to begin, what to prioritize, what to do, that the the and you know, there's this part of me that's like figure it out. Why are you talking to me about this? Mm-hmm. That's the the default settings. <laughs> That's that's how I've been defaulted. But the conscious person in me, it's like, hmm, well, you're telling me because you need help. Mm-hmm. What do you need help with? You have to tell me that part, right? Mm-hmm. Like, will it help you if someone supported you on this aspect? Would it help you if somebody supported you on that aspect? Like, I need, in order for you to use me, I need to understand how you need to be supported or what specifically is out of your capability so that I can find the right resource for you. And I know that part of being a leader 
is being of service. And so the whole bit around conscious communication and finding out what people need, it's more out of a, you know, how can I be of service to you right now? Because you feeling overwhelmed doesn't help us get to our goal line. Mm -hmm. So what do we need to do? And by the way, I say goal line as if like everything's work related, but I mean that in like even just personal relationships too. Like if someone's mad or angry and they are communicating, it's okay to ask, like, I see that you're hurting. Do you want some space from me? Right. Do you want me to be closer to you? Do you want to tell me what's going on? Do you want me to get you some ice cream? Like, you know, how can I be of service to you while you're in this space, knowing that it'll go away? And this is what this, you keep on using the word space. And before you were talking about the personal relationship, and you're talking about the work situation, what I was thinking was this is what it looks like to also hold space. You know, Mm -hmm. and that holding space for someone else doesn't mean discounting your own self in the process, which has been a really big like learning piece for me this year. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I think speaking from my experience also as a practitioner, you know, I for a long time operated from the space of, oh, someone needs support, then I'm going to give that to them without taking a beat within myself and realizing what is it that you need? Are you able to even show up fully? Like, do you need someone to hold the space for you actually instead? <laughs> exactly. You know, and trusting that if I say I can't hold space for you right now, that that is not a bad thing and that mm-hmm. the universe has someone else that can support this person or maybe this person actually needs to support themselves. But yeah. when we yeah. do say yes to hold space, you know, like you were modeling around getting that person to name what it is that they needed help with, to speak their needs and desires, all of those things, that it always comes with you holding space for yourself and being honest about your capacity to give. Yeah, I think that's well-respected. And it has to be. I think part of this is also like seasons. You know, Lauren, you held a lot of space for me earlier this year. You know, my mother passed in June pretty suddenly and that quote unquote you know check on your strong friend but like that was definitely something where I know that I had no space to give for anybody (laughs) and that was something that you know I'm still working through my grief still working through new it's new things it's a new thing and I hadn't been in that space before so I didn't know I didn't always know what I needed I didn't always know the things But what I will say is that like having people in both my personal and my work life that cared so much for me was incredible. I have some dope girlfriends who are bosses, like capital B, the B stands for bands. Like they are (laughs) bosses. And they were like, yo, put me on your email. Who do I need to carry this thing through? Nothing slips through the cracks. I got you. Da, da, da. And I was just like, I had a friend um, that was like, do you need me to write some strategy for you? Do you need me to like, what do you need me to do? I have uh, girlfriends who literally had went through a similar scenario with, with grieving a, a loved one and had to do all the planning. Mm-hmm. You know, she sent me budgets, you know, places where people had flowers. They, she sent me like funeral homes because I was new to the area. And so there were people in my life yeah. that whether or not I knew it was there, 
they're the support squad. They're the scaffolding to meet my growth. And you don't always think you're going to need them outside of like kikiing, brunch, and ha ha But like when things get real in your life, you start to, I get emotional right now because you look, you kind of are out of your day-to-day element mm-hmm. and you're able to look at your support system at work. And it's like your support system is working wow. and you're like, dang, I didn't even know y'all could do all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, There's a scene in um, Sex in the City, the movie where, you know, <laughs> she big stands her up at the altar and, you know, they had all these things planned and they're in the, the hotel room Sarah Jessica Park, Carrie, uh, Miranda, the, the girls. And they're like, okay, flights are canceled. I'm gonna get a refund on the wedding thing. That is the, it, and yes. <laughs> Carrie's character goes, y'all can run the world. <laughs> and, you know, Samantha walks in like, couldn't change your stuff, but was able to get two more rooms in a, you know, like flights to Mexico, let's go. And it was just like, when your squad like Voltron's up for yeah. your table, yeah, it is awe inspiring because you really realize like, oh snap, I'm loved for real, for real. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I have so much appreciation for those who are able to know how to balance when space is required for others and yes. also for themselves. Yes. And I know like I start to get very irritable when I'm not able to like have space because I do have so much space. I'm built in a way to carry a lot. And when I find that the space has shrunk Mm -hmm. more than I'd like to see, I feel myself get irritable. And that's when I need to be like, oh, wait. Tiff needs to get tucked in in a timeout because she's had it. And it has nothing to do with anybody except my own dedication to self-preservation. Yes. And that's not always going to be, this is the thing. It's not always going to be apparent to other people if you keep doing and doing. And yes, I got you. I got you. I got you. To your point before, you have to be clear about when you're hitting your limits because you're going to need to take that time out and you're going to want to do that before you end up spazzing on someone and having to say sorry later to a friend you really care about. I've learned a lot from you about this, as you know. (laughs) (laughs) You have really modeled what it means to know when you need to, like, take space for you, take radical care of yourself, take a step back. Oftentimes we're conditioned to believe that like, if I don't show up, if I don't do the thing, if I don't, da, 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 da. but if showing up is going to be at your expense and someone else's, because to your point, I haven't been tending to myself or I have felt like other people are not valuing me and I just need to take time to collect myself, <laughs> then it's time to take that pause. And I think you've modeled this really beautifully with everything that you shared about like your support system working for you. That is so powerful. Thank you for sharing and opening up about that. It makes me think about how all of the relationships in our lives are there on purpose. 
You know, like there is not a single person right now, whether you feel like you love them or you really don't like them right now, (laughs) they are there on purpose. And in times where there is loss or really big transition, which is also a form of loss, all forms of transition are forms of losses in one way or another, we really do get to see more of the reasons for why those relationships are there. And I just feel like for you, like, What's one of your more personal ethos with how you choose to show up in conscious partnership with your friends, specifically with women in your life that you consider your sisters? Because I know you have, like you said before, some boss women in your life. (laughs) (laughs) I love my girls. You know, it's important for me to, like, unfold with these women, like, I've been told more than once that I need to like go with the flow and relax. And the Virgo in me has expectations that I deny. I'm like, I don't have no expectations. I like secretly have expectations. But um, (laughs) when I am my like most comfortable, I am silly. You know this. Mm -hmm. I am so silly. And it's like the real me so to speak and I like the idea that I have people I can be around that are just like yo like you're a goofball what are you talking about you know like and I don't have to like be the smartest person in the room my ethos around my personal relationships is that I see you and I want to be able to make mistakes and I want to be able to be free and I need to model that for other people you know there's a one of my favorite songs is easy like Sunday morning <clears throat> and there's a line where he says I want to be high so high I want to be free to know the things I do are right mm. and I remember really clinging on to that part of the song when I was younger and still because there are so many things in the world that tell us that we're wrong there are so many things in the world that tell us our emotions are invalid that we're supposed to act a certain way, that our boundaries shouldn't be there, that when you actually uphold your boundaries, that it's going to, you know, negatively impact you because you weren't this or you weren't that. Mm -hmm. And being free has to do with complete, like there is no right or wrong binary system. It is who you are, how you show up to be is accepted and loved on and complete and whole. And I wish to continuously like embody that and attract people to me that embody that. And I can affirm that in them. Yes. I think that's a really beautiful place to land. And, you know, I just hope that everyone is able to experience that, that, acceptance that 360 degree love within our friendships and it takes intention to create that you know that's not accidental you don't really fall into an accidental intentional relationship (laughs) yeah yeah an accidental intentional relationship Mm -hmm. no you don't that is designed you have to design your life yes 
I mean, I think even a lot of questions that we see swirling around us at Black Girl Known from our community members is like, how do I develop meaningful friendships? How do I develop an intentional sisterhood? And like, it really does start with you getting clear within yourself on what that will look like for you, showing up to yourself with that first, and then allowing yourself to kind of magnetize like-minded people to that vision, you know? I mean, 1000%. Those boss booze I was talking to you about before, like they came in my life at a time where I was losing friends. I lost some, you know, you're like day-to-day friends. Like yes. <laughs> I lost some day-to-day friends and I was like, man, I don't have any friends. And it was a dramatic release. And I asked God for adult female sisterhood friends that I could be in friendship with. And I mean, he showed out, like showed out. And I'm just, I don't even know where my life would be without these women. And this was in my late 20s, you know, and I've gotten more in my 30s. So being intentional with how you're magnetizing your friendships really does start from being clear and conscious and understanding like what you desire to see in the world, mm-hmm. like everything and anything else in your life. And having check-ins, 2020 has been the year of recalibrating. <laughs> yeah, editing yes. and recalibrating. Yes. And the edit is real. Yes, and it's okay. <laughs> and it is okay. You better redline that thing. <laughs> Yes. Because we're always shifting. We're always changing. Our chapters are such that sometimes we require different types of energy from different types of people. It's okay. It's okay. And you are supported. If you open yourself up to what it's supposed to teach you, there are no losses. Yes. There are no losses. Tiffany, how can the people be in touch with you? It would not... It wouldn't. <laughs> Lauren and I like to sing everything. <laughs> I knew, I knew we were gonna have at least one sing song moment. Oh my gosh! Okay, so the people, um, you can definitely check out my company, Guild Creative Group, G I L D Creative Group dot com, and I am at from all my social. I'm Tiffany underscore Hardin, H-A-R-D-I-N, or you can um, look at Guild Creative Group on social as well. And um, coming soon is my Conscious Hustler workshop. There's already some merch in the world, so more to come this winter on that. I'm really excited about these workshops, y'all. It's really focused on helping us align our intention, ambition, and the pursuit of excellence. So be on the lookout for that. And I don't know, Lauren, do you want to like take them out with a song? <laughs> what are we going to sing? We just got to make it up, you know? Bounce, 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 B-G-I-O, G-C-G, Tiffany, she is the queen. The thing is, I wish I could have seen our little shoulder dance that we were doing while we sang that. We had more of a shoulder bounce roll going. The thing is, this is what we'd be doing in WhatsApp, y'all. we just be, like, sending songs back and forth. All day. And talking about what it means to be a conscious hustler. Even though we don't use that language all the time, like, the content of our back and forth is, like, <laughs> literally along the lines of everything we talked about through this conversation. So. Oh, 1,000%. <laughs> the only thing that was missing was, like, our song. We were trying to be all professional. 
Usually I'm text I'm I'm hitting Lauren with a voice note that's like Lauren. Yes. Oh, my your birthday, your birthday oh, song. I had a birthday <gasps> remix of all birthday remixes from Tiffany this year, y'all. It was you were like, do the stanky leg on it. Happy birthday, queen. I was like, oh, okay. I know. I was like, get low. Yes. <laughs> and the great thing is I can go back and listen to it anytime I need. Anytime you need. Anytime. You know what? That's what I do. <laughs> Thank you for bringing joy into my life and the lives of all of your friends and oh, collaborators. Girl. Honestly, I feel like... We, for a moment, talked about, like, work relationships and then friend relationships. But sometimes with the work that we do, it's like someone can also hold both. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful <laughs> part of our relationship. Like, we say, like, divine partnership. Mm-hmm. We're just set up this way where we have to hold both because, one, we want to, but mm-hmm. also the work that we do, the way that we show up in the world, the joy that we have for life, like... It's undeniable. Like, I don't talk like this to my, I don't know, accountant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's real. You know, it's, it's important. And being a collaborator and just a co-conspirator with you, um, Black Girl on Own, you know, means the world to me. I, yes. I couldn't, I don't even know. I was thinking about this. I don't even know if I would have known <laughs> in 2020 what I know. Like 2015, 2016. Sometimes I look at some of those old pictures and I was like, Child, we done did it. We doing it. Babies. <laughs> we was babies. Now I got gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> you done lived in three different cities since I know. True. <laughs> True. Oh my gosh. Remember when you went to Bali? <laughs> I went to Bali. Remember when I thought I was gonna live in Bali for the better part of this year and then I would have been stuck there because of COVID? Ooh. See, look at God. Look at God. <laughs> <laughs> I love this too because I feel like you also bring out the silly side in me which is actually a major part of my personality that I don't usually share on the show so thank you <laughs> <laughs> Any time. anytime well thank you so much Tiffany for all that you do for and with our team and for and with our community every single person listening I guarantee you have been blessed in one way or another by Tiffany without even knowing it so we <laughs> all give you our gratitude right now oh thank you thank you thank you so happy yes. uh, we still on for our 4 o'clock we sure are <laughs> <laughs> bye girl bye <laughs> I affirm that you discover this conversation in divine time and that you'll activate any of the insights that resonated with you powerfully moving forward. Now, at Black Girl and Home, we're all about gratitude. So special thanks to our audio engineer, India Jordan, for adding your magic. Khalid B for your original music. And thank you, yes you, for listening. <laughs> Y'all, Black Girl and Home is here for you. We're actively rewriting the narrative of what well-being looks like to ourselves and in our communities. To get more involved and learn more about us, head to blackgirlinohm.com and join our newsletter while you're at it. If you do, you'll get an exclusive and free download of a meditation led by yours truly for Black women and girls everywhere. Are you also deepening into your journey of wholeness and healing with us on social? Follow us at Black Girl in Ohm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. What we're about here is real sustained impact. If you're influenced by something that you heard on our podcast and want to support, you can make a contribution today by heading to blackgirlinohm.com slash support. All right, y'all, breathe easy. 